Hello, and welcome to Into the Halo, a Warrior Nun fan podcast. I'm Kimberly. I'm Kevin. And I'm Sheila. And this is our deep dive discussion into episodes seven, eight, and nine of Warrior Nun season one. So just fair warning, we will be talking about specific things that happened in the episodes as well as the themes. So fair warning that spoilers are ahead in case you have not seen these episodes yet. And there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> just looking at the notes, folks. Just get comfy. <laughs> but before we do get to some episode specifics and discussions, we'd like to catch you folks up with any news and updates we've seen since our last recording. Uh, and the first link we'll have in our show notes, if you haven't seen it, is uh, showrunner Simon Barry did an interview with the uh, folks over at Junkyard Theory. It's a show that's on YouTube. Uh, about an hour long. Simon talked a lot about just producing for television, some of the different shows he's done, a little bit about Warrior Nun, but it's a little uh, broad, too, in the topics. Uh, so if you want to learn a little more about creating a TV show and some of the Warrior Nun stuff, I do recommend it. I did enjoy it. And the other item that is definitely newsy news, exciting news, if you didn't see on social media, uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter, uh, Simon posted a photo uh, to announce that uh, as of a couple days before this actual recording here, uh, June the 26th, that they had officially started shooting season two. Eee, squee! <laughs> Insert squee sounds here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what that means, right? About episodes? There's always more. <laughs> I had to. I mean, yeah, it's been nice to see he and some of the other crew and a couple of the cast members mentioning they were in Spain or getting ready to, but hearing officially that it was actually shooting, that was definitely a make your day kind of moment. Yes, we can't wait. Yeah, so and naturally we started to see some articles, which no bother putting links in the show notes to them because there's several out there that are um, doing my air quotes, folks. You can't see it. Audio podcast. Um, speculation on what this will mean for when it might come to netflix i mean best guesses are second maybe third quarter 2022 but that's all wild speculation at this point but you know what the best part of this all means we're actually getting it <laughs> i thought that's when you were going to insert your soundbite again there's always more <laughs> i'll use that button all day every day Ah, <laughs> uh, yes we do we love you for it <laughs> So looking forward to getting some more info. If you're not, again, check the link in the show notes. If maybe you're not following Simon on Twitter or um, Instagram or following the Warrior Nun hashtag, you're gonna, I'm sure we'll start to see stuff from the cast members too. So fun times in the next few weeks. And with that, I am going to read the title of episode seven. And again, I'm probably going to destroy the pronunciations so Please forgive me, but Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Woof. So what does that all mean? I have no idea. 
Sheila's going to help us. <laughs> ah, well, I'm going to do a recap of the episode. <laughs> so then we can discuss it on the other side. So after leaving this, the city of uh, Terrestrians, Ava is finally accepting that the halo is part of her. And she is willing. she willingly goes to Arctic to ask for Jillian's help to figure this all out. Um, Jillian prefer, pretends to help, but is really trying to use Ava and the halo to power the portal instead. That doesn't work, and so Ava leaves to return to the sister warriors. When she gets to the cat's cradle, the main OCS members are disbanded or reassigned as Cardinal Duretti continues his plan uh, to basically take over. So he has the nuns loyal to him take over the OCS and the Ava and the original OCS team, um, they actually are able to get behind the, the sanctum in Sister Shannon's room to retrieve the book. And so when they escape, they find out that there is a, quote, secret buried at the heart of the Vatican, end quote. And so in the final scene, we see a figure walking towards the cat's cradle. And we find out it's Sister Lilith. Dun, dun, dun. Cliffhanger. <laughs> and if there was ever a cliffhanger, dun, dun, dun moment, that was certainly it, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know about you folks, but I had no inkling she was going to make a return. Kimberly and I were talking about this, actually, and we were like, she is. she was a pivotal character before she got, you know, skewered. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I couldn't think of a better word. She was. That's the uh, term in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. You're right. Um, yeah. So you know, she had at least in my mind. I'm like, she had to come back. I just didn't realize that she would come back in in that way. Yeah. I I don't know how else to articulate that. I do remember that conversation we had, and I looked at you and said, "She'll be back," and and you were like, "How do you know?" And I was like. I was, I read the Bible as a kid and Lilith is a, is there and is prominent. Mm. And also again, the, the connection between all the characters, it's such a rich developed sisterhood that you, you really do. She needed to come back. I just, I thought it would be flashbacks. I didn't think she would come back like this. I remember when the two of us just looked at each other like, Oh, damn. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm going to need to get Sheila a button to press on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have any technology around, so I have to make my own sound bites. I'm going to record uh, her doing that and then have it as a button. <laughs> that can work too. That can work. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's so much. Yeah, and we talked about it. You folks know it if you're certainly you've watched the whole season. And now, obviously, I'm going to assume you're at least up to F9. Um, Talk about the story buildup and the pieces. Um, certainly this one in seven and then eight and nine. We're getting so much of it. Um, and, and it's also great here in this one, too. I really appreciated uh, seeing a lot more of Mother Superior, kind of, if you will, in my notes, my mind, kind of coming to our side of the fence. You know, um, you know the way she gets at Doretti about the about sister crimson and the, what I call my notes, the B team coming back. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good way to put it, actually. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to call them. I literally call them the devil's rejects. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, a little uh, pun there to, or homage to the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Very true. But I mean, between that discussion with him and then when she really uh, talks to Mary, you know, in Sister Shannon's room and Mary talks about how disappointed she is that, that, you know, mother just seems to be accepting what the ready wants. I mean, I really see the turn starting and that, that was just, that was just fascinating. I really appreciate that too. Yeah. And the, you know, that whole dialogue where Mary was, uh, shotgun Mary was saying, you know, you're keeping everybody at arm's length, not because you don't care. It's because you care too much. You know, it's, it's showing that that mother superior really does have several different, you know, facets about her and that, you know, she's not, she's not just that one sided. Okay. Guy. She was the, um, she was not very um, accommodating to Ava, right? Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. earlier in the earlier episodes, and then you know here you see how other people actually do see Mother Superior, and she it, she really is she cares so much for all of the sister warriors. Well, it's the whole thing of of, of a facade. If you think about it, the the person you present to everyone else is somewhat to protect yourself. And when she's discussing their transfer, you know, she went to bat for Vincent and, and said, look, you know, this is the best I could do. You know, you should be happy about this. Mm. And I mean, granted, nobody's happy, but you know, she at least put her foot down and, and, and tried to help. And it's the first time I've seen that character kind of show her inner self, if that makes sense. Um, and, and, and just enough, like she's just opening the door and letting a little bit of us, like letting us see a little bit of her, but you can see that she's, she's hesitant still, you know, by the end of the episode, I still don't feel like she's the open book, but it gives me the idea that the cover isn't the book, you know, and, and I've been judging her this whole time thinking she's this really stringent nun who is like angry and, and dismisses Ava out of hand, you know, she's not worthy enough and she's judgmental. And here she is showing that kinder side and showing the real side of her where she isn't. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, but you get the point. It's like she, she showed that, that other side of her and it's, it's an intriguing beginning. But I also think too, it's, it's showing us as we start to see more about each of them too, a little bit, at, at least I find, what are we, six episodes in, we, we start to understand who the characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, at least myself as a viewer, you know, I have an idea what I might expect them to do in situations. And we have a situation with her character, like you just described, where we're starting to go, oh, you know, eyebrow raised. Okay, maybe it's not what it appears to be. And there's something starting to shift. And then I find it fascinating and fun to then be looking at the character's and sometimes some of their relationships with each other as the story is now getting really towards a towards a goal, if you will, or towards a point, less individual learning. And now the team much more coming together. Um, so I'm just for me, it's I, I find it fascinating and I start to feel myself rooting for the team mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, I mean, from there, um, the parts there where we're getting a little more about Mother Superior to once we eventually get to the point where there's the showdown with Sister Crimson with everybody in the Shannon's room, 
Um, and again, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're really starting to come together. I, I just love that. I love this foundational part of this episode setting a lot up for where we're going. Right. I, one of the, one of my favorite scenes in this episode was where, you know, we, we find that sister Beatrice is being sent to Malaysia, right. And she's surrendering her weapons and, you know, she's, she's putting it on the table and sister Camilla's like, uh, well, you know, you still have something. And then Sister Beatrice goes, oh, right. And then, you know, reaches down on her leg, gets one one knife. And then Camilla looks at her again. And then, you know, oh, Beatrice is like, oh, yes, I have another hiding place. Yeah, it, those in in that sequence where it's a it's a very painful experience for Sister Beatrice. But then there's that that little funny sequence there showing their personalities. Um, and that, that the, the uh, dialogue between them where, you know, Camilla is really saying, I wish I could go with you because she doesn't want to be left alone. And then, you know, even in her pain, um, sister Beatrice is saying, you know, quote, a lot of people can smile when things go wrong, but it takes a special person to make everybody else smile with them. Like I love that line, and you know, it's it's it just shows how much Sister Beatrice really is so multidimensional, and that even in her her pain, she's still finding a way to comfort someone else. Yeah, she even goes further in that same conversation because Camilla was. Like you said, she was upset. She didn't want to be there anymore without them. And and Beatrice was like, you know, why would you want that? And she even says, quote, God sends messages to guide us. Heed them. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, that to me was like, even in her worst moments, she always thinks of others. Yep. That's why she's a bad <laughs> <laughs> That's why so many of us do love her that way. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's the foundational stuff. Like I was trying to articulate that you brought up perfectly there, Sheila, that, you know, that gives us that insight into her because she's got to be devastated. Of course. Um, yeah. and, and she tells us as such in different conversations, but still in the moment, she gives Camilla the credit and, and you know, compliments her on how she's doing, you know, her job. So mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's some very telling scenes along with some cool stuff. But it's telling character scenes that are just wonderful and foundational to where we're going to go. So I got to deviate us or div divert us a bit. <laughs> deviate. Um, Cardinal Doretti, uh, when he brings the, the rejects in. Well, th that's what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a line he says, and it was, I, I still to this day and, and I've watched it several times now really wonder if there's more to it because he says it but yet the rejects actually violate every aspect of it and he says piety loyalty and service and yet the rejects themselves they, they serve but who are they really serving they're serving themselves in my humble opinion they're really only loyal to themselves because they want the power and they enjoy it. And we see that throughout the episode uh, with Crimson and piety. Yeah. I, I don't think they uh, abide by that at all. 
So I'm curious, like, is there more to that? Is there, I mean, he has to know that bringing these individuals in, that they violate everything that he's talking about. But it serves his goal. Yeah. His per- yeah. I mean, he's got so many things going, as we see in the next couple of episodes, especially that it just makes sense. He, he wants, because we, we talked about how much we enjoyed his like conversations with Sister, Sister Beatrice. Um, you know, to try, with him trying to basically scope out where her loyalties were and how she basically said she wasn't loyal to him, but to the church. So he just decided, okay, I need someone, even if they're going to be off their rocker, <laughs> that can at least get me to what I want to get out of the situation. See, for me also, after, you know, and I'm going to jump to slightly towards the end of the episode, but it also is a very interesting line considering at the very end, he says the Pope is dead. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went like, oh, okay. Is is that indicative of him? Is that giving us little hints? Because the one thing I have noticed in this rewatch is there are lines that I've missed that I wonder if they mean something for later. And I don't just mean season one. I mean like even season two. Well, I was for me thinking, and it brings up that discussion there about him and bringing in the the, the rejects. That at that point, his one of his biggest concerns is the entire OCS and getting the halo and having that to, if you will, control or wield or, or something to his benefit. Mm-hmm. And so he brought in those folks to do that. And then also the Pope dies. So he's like, okay, now he's moved on to his next bigger power grab. So he's even less going to be even less in control, I think, of the OCS anyway, um, because he's just looking for opportunity. So here's a random question because it just popped into my head and I've got to ask. Say he actually got the halo with the the reject group there. Who becomes the bearer? Well, that's up to the halo. Well, yeah, true. I was going to say, would the halo not reject those that it considered unworthy? And would these individuals like Crimson, for example, be worthy? Well, none of them have trained. Granted, Ava hasn't trained, but you know, none of them have really trained to, to be a bear. So I don't know that it would work. Well, this, I mean, this conversation, though, we got to tie in what's coming up in a couple of episodes when we find out about all the superior. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Put a pin in that one. So put it Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> coming back to that, um, as far as the halo and its ability to decide what may or may not happen. But yeah, I, it's funny. I thought the same thing, Sheila, when we were taking a look at, okay, I get him bringing in the B team that rejects. But yeah, when it came to time, that if they did get the halo back, do you do you think it's going to Sister Crimson is is going to be air quotes worthy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't see that one going anywhere. Um, right. So, but if Doretta truly doesn't care, then you know we don't really get to learn anything about some of the other helpers of hers. Who knows? Maybe there's someone in there that isn't quite as bad. But yeah, it's you know let's put a pin in that discussion until a little later. So the one scene that I really want to excuse me, want to uh, talk about is that fight in uh, Sister Shannon's room, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, where 
Ava finally gets into the sanctum. She sees the book. She's reading it. And then Shotgun Mary's outside and fighting with um, Sister Crimson. And then out of the blue, Sister Beatrice comes in and like kicks Sister Crimson's leap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then Ava says, Beatrice is a bad leap. <laughs> I love that because I'm like, yes, yes. Sister Beatrice is a bad bleep. <laughs> but she's smart, too. That's what I love. Because mm-hmm. when she takes the loss to Crimson in the initial encounter, she learns so much from it. That Again, her comment about, you know, losing it's a battle to, yeah, to win a war. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can say someone's a bad through physical actions, but she has also got it going on in her ability to look at the whole shall we say, the chessboard. You know, she's playing chess when Sister Crimson is... Playing checkers? Yes. Yeah, I don't even think she's playing checkers yet, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that was that was awesome to see. And it was also great to see how Ava, when she realized when Crimson got the drop on Mary with the by picking up the shotgun, mm-hmm. was able to do something to stop her from being... You know, everyone, other other folks being shot. Even. I mean, so again, I love the nature of the team and how it's come together. And this this fight's a small microcosm of that. Right. Um, with Beatrice from what she learned in the previous encounter to Ava with her powers, um, you know, being able to keep them safe. And uh, right down to Sister Camilla with the diversion of firing into the ceiling to get them all. Oh, my gosh. That was out the door. Mean. Yes. Everybody's getting a moment here to, <laughs> to show us why we want them all together to do it. Yes. <laughs> so as a tangent, when they come out of the room, because at that point, Ava has blown out her powers and they kind of have to help her up the flight of stairs and out. And then all of the, the rejects are there with weapons, right? Mm-hmm. When Ava grabs the sword and starts giving that speech, all I could think of was it's a Winona Earp moment. <laughs> You know, what I am is the beep in the air. And then all of a sudden there's just like, she gets shot with an arrow. And I'm like, right. yep, that's a Winona moment. It's like, nope, uh, come down to earth. Then. And then Camilla going, you know, I hope, I really hope I got God's message right. That was just classic. Hey, you know what? She was heeding. She was heeding that message. <laughs> sure was protecting her sisters too. Um, yeah. One one other thing that I absolutely loved about this episode, and, and I know we're really going deep into it because there's so much going on, but we really got a lot, a lot of backstory on Jillian, mm-hmm. um, especially in regards to, you know, yes, she was using Ava to power the portal, but we knew why. It wasn't just, you know, the idea of she wanted power and wanted access and all this. She wants to save her son. Mm-hmm. And that that brought in a, a new dimension. She couldn't be this evil, hated person, and this this um, she really can't be this evil person. She really is very, very human, and we get to see that side of her in this. And and this episode did such a good job for so many of the characters, like you just described there. The other one, you know, not a deep conversation, but even talking about um, uh, Christian talking to Ava about why he left the church. Um, and, and the whole idea of, of, you know, believing in yourself, helping Ava quite a bit, because when she's the one been struggling with what she wants to do. And all. So 
there's there's a, there's just a ton of foundational stuff here for each of these characters and and where it's going to go uh, from there. And and we also see here, you know, even um, you know her 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 son Michael. I mean, he's he's dropping some lines that are like, oh, this is going to come back later. Talking about opening doors and other things, mm-hmm. you know, and what's that going to mean? And you know, it's it's becoming obvious that he's got some I don't know what you want to call it some connection some sight some premonition so yeah there's a lot there is just a ton happening here yeah and we find out that Michael actually has bits and pieces of divinium in his blood mm. you know so he glows once Ava is near him as he glows when when the halo is near mm-hmm. speaking of it there was, there was a question I came across on um a warrior on message board that I saw in regards to this specific scene. And I pose it to the two of you and it's several parts, but at one point Ava seems surprised that the halo is foreign, you know, not of this world. And the comments were such where, you know, they were intimating that, you know, it's an angel's halo. So it's already foreign. So why was Ava surprised? I pose that to the two of you. Um, the only thought that occurs to me on that is again, Ava and her limited knowledge of, of the bigger picture of all of this. Um, you know, again, being the quadriplegic, um, just understanding or having her limited knowledge of the church and so forth, just thinking that uh, an angel's halo would somehow be one of these things that would just naturally be around a church. Um, without thinking that it might have a, like you said, a, a, a much bigger scope outside of that. I really, I only took it as her limited knowledge of things being surprised by a lot of what's going to happen. For me, I actually took it as like, it was somebody outside of the nuns telling her. So it's more believable when somebody who isn't trying to force you to do something you don't want to do tells you. So I was like, well, maybe that. I certainly can see that. Yeah. I have no opinion. I have to stop with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that maybe she, you know, she was just, it's, it's in her. So it's, it's hard to, to fathom or to think because she's too close to it. Hmm. So that's my opinion. So I lied. <laughs> I did have an opinion. <laughs> well, we do find going back to the episode that Ava does go into that room and she finds a book and it's, all the nuns have signed and, and left, I guess, little inscriptions. All the sister warriors. Uh, the warrior nuns. The halo barriers. The barriers? Halo. I said barriers. <laughs> Why am I saying barriers? <laughs> wow. It's been a while. Um, I found that fascinating. And, and also, like, so cool. Because you could actually see all different, like there were different handwritings and it, it looked unique, each one. Different languages. Yeah. And then also terrified when they start discussing what Shannon's inscription was. Because then I went, oh, this is going to get real like now. And, and just the scope of that, how far back it must go. Um, again, that's just some of the fascinating stuff that we're going to start to see play out. Um, I mean, that's just got to be mind blowing for, especially for Ava. You know what I was thinking though? Like, does that book grow then? 
Because if you think about all of the halo bearers, you know, writing in it, is it going to ever lose, you know, go to the end of the book and end pages? Maybe season two will dwell, dwell on the fact or delve, delve. Wow, my words are really not happening today. They'll delve into the fact that there are several books, maybe. Uh, maybe. Oh, volume one, volume two kind of thing. We didn't see the full expanse of that little room. No, but, okay, put a pin in that one. <laughs> I think it's in the next section or next episode. Okay, so then I guess I pose the question to you um, both, again, what do you feel the title is in reference to the episode? Silence. Yeah, contemplation. I mean, it, it, I think it can talk for Ava in the sense of, certainly as we're just talking about, getting the book and getting a whole new attitude on things, you know, realizing what's really kind of at play there. Um, you know, and, and that's what a lot of that is talking about is, is old self and new attitudes and such. Um, and we saw some of that with Mother Superion. You know, we as viewers have new opinions on her, new attitude on her, certainly from this episode. Um, so I think that can be a good part of it as far as, you know, what's going on. For me, it kind of felt like every character made a massive decision during this episode where they can no longer go back to where they were. Um, and it, it kept in my head, it kept running back to like, when you throw a rock in a lake, you don't see it, but the lake is forever changed because the rock settles at the bottom and changes the landscape of the bottom of the lake. So I couldn't, I couldn't get that out of my head. For yeah. Me, yeah. Um, for me, something Kevin said actually uh, resonated with me just now. Um, that, you know, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, that, that line about Ava, um, although Christian needed to tell her, you know, you, you have to put faith in yourself, right. And trust those who have earned your trust. So, you know, Ava is, is now starting to trust other people. She's, she's been by herself this whole time. And so, it's a very big step for her to start being vulnerable and start trusting other people. Yes. Cause she's been on a journey. Goodness. The whole season so far, really, when you think about that, mm -hmm. right. Yep. And with that, are we ready to go right into episode eight? Oh yeah. So it is Proverbs 14. One, the wise woman builds her house but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Okay. So the recap for this. So Sister Beatrice reads the first entry of the book, and it is revealed that Adriel's bones are buried deep inside the Vatican and that it is his bones that anchor demons to the earth. So the team concludes that Cardinal Doretti really wants the bones for himself to keep himself in power. And so the team has to stop him. Um, the team has, goes back to Arctech to ask for Jillian's help because Ava will need to phase through 20 feet of solid rock. And so they find that um, through this testing, Ava actually needs seven minutes to recharge once the halo's energy is depleted. Lilith actually joins the team in Arctech 
and she and Ava really make amends. Um, and then at the very end of the scene of the episode, Ava has a dream about Sister Shannon and has a, an epiphany that if she can destroy Adriel's bones, then the cycle of the warrior nuns dying, fighting demons will end because the demons will no longer be anchored to earth. And then she is holding the divinium dagger in her hand and melts it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Another great use of that. <laughs> okay. I just have to jump in before we go into the, the full episode and say, Beatrice just adds to her level of awesomeness by speaking how many languages? Oh my God. And, and hold on. And is speaking Latin and Mary turns around and goes, yay, private education. I was rolling. <laughs> that was great. It really was. It's easy to miss that on the first watch too. I mean, this is some of the great stuff you get in it. Rewatches are so rich. Yeah. And I have to put the, on my rewatches, I really have to put the uh, closed captioning on because yeah. even, even if yeah. I'm, just like intently watching, I still miss that those those great lines. Yeah, that that helps so much, you know. I mean, as a viewer, you know, there's so much. I, I know I miss even something I love like this the first time, even the first couple of times through. So yeah, I mean, it the the aside from getting the great info of Adriel Bones now maybe a focus of why Doretti is doing what he's doing. Um, you know, and the importance of what that is, and then having Ava come to that epiphany, as you pointed out, to say, wait a minute, time to break the cycle. Otherwise, you know, because all these warrior nuns kind of do your parallels to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like all the slayers, they're dying young, okay? I mean, this, this is just a way to kill them off. What if we choose to do it a different way in a better way. I love that. That was just, that was one of those, you know, the little hairs in the back of your neck when you right. saw her realize that, like, whoa, okay. Right. Great stuff. Because she is also now thinking of the other, you know, um, sister warriors who are also dying, you know, as part of this mission. In, in the dream, you know, Sister Shannon was telling her, you know, I watch my family die one by one. So it's not just the, the warrior, um, the halo bearers that are dying, it's everybody else around them. So, you know, this is, this is Ava saying, you know, like what you said, Kevin, let's stop this and stop not just killings of halo bearers, but all the nuns around us, our family. Mm -hmm. The dream also had me going, wait a minute. If, if the, sort of like the halo takes a little bit of the essence or the memories. I'm curious if we might see dreams involving, and, I, and I'll put a pin in it to my future questions, but the idea that we could have possible visitations from other warrior nuns in Ava's dreams that will facilitate guidance. Mm. I know. Mm. And in that Kimberly. <laughs> Hadn't gone there. Oh, Wow. We will add that to the list of news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we're going we're to have to move on. Otherwise, it's just going to be a lot of blinking and silence here thinking about that. 
So we also know, I'll bring it back, that um, they've built on top of the tombs and the original map was stolen. Mm -hmm. So they kind of need to figure it out. And we get to learn just a tidbit more about Father Vincent. Father Vincent and his tattoo sleeves. <laughs> yeah, that um, was a shock to me. That was. Um, but he's a scary dude when he wants to be. He's a very bad man. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, like we say, why certain people choose to join the church or in Christmas case, leave it. I mean, and Father Vincent, like, whoa. Yeah, that uh, never in a million years kind of would I have thought of that. Yeah, my jaw was like on the floor when that happened. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, talking about learning more about characters. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That was a lot. You know, his explanation to Mary is also, you know, discussing how he was basically he likes violence too much. He likes that um that life he lived too much. Mm-hmm. And that he had hoped that the church would, you know, help him deal with that and everything and and make it go away. But he, I guess, has come to the conclusion, and I don't remember the exact wording um, during that conversation, but that, like, even if they rid the world of all evil, that evil will still be in him. Yeah, he realized that it wasn't a demon telling him what to do or to do the bad things. It was actually him. And that's got to be scary as all get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you don't have someone or something else to blame for your choices. And and that kind of ties in, to me anyway, um, you know, to more depths um, and makes you wonder more about him. The other, at least in my head, slight parallel in this episode to starting to think more about things is the whole idea of Lilith. What is she? Because we're certainly, by this episode, seeing things that tell us she's not totally human anymore. Yes. Right? Not just me thinking that, right? Since episode seven, right, when she appeared, like, where did she come from? Like, I, And she appeared I, out of nowhere. She didn't she like, just walk up the, yeah, she didn't walk up the driveway. She just appeared out of nowhere. She phased in, basically. Yes, yes. And so, you know, she's hearing these high-pitched sounds only she can hear them like what happens when that you know when she hears that i and even though she does apologize to ava right for trying to kill her i'm not sure at least as i was watching this the first time i i I wasn't sure if that was real or not do do either of you think that it is truly lilith but that she's basically just possessed by some demon as well? Or is it a demon who's just totally taken on her form? Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> I was not thinking that. Okay. It was All a right. demon taking on her form. See, I think it's Lilith, but I do wonder because they do discuss her memory. Like um, they ask, what's the last thing she yeah, remembers? Yeah. And we see the flashbacks. Now, I this is where I'm like, hmm, wait a minute. Because we see the flashbacks. So they're reminding us what happened 
are they just doing that for our benefit? Or is that what she's remembering, but she's lying and saying she doesn't? One way or another, I know she's confused. I know she's got a mission. There's a reason she's there. She might not know. She seems very scared. I mean, I'll be honest. I looked at Sheila and I said, what if time passes differently wherever she was and she had to survive for so long that maybe she mutated because of whatever dimension she was in and maybe she's the human form of a Tarrasque. That was my thought. Sheila shushed me. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, near the end of the episode when she's peeling off some of the scabs of her wound and the wound is glowing Mm -hmm. and it looks, the wound almost looks like it's a brand rather than just a wound. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm overthinking it, but when we see it at that point, when I kind of pause it, and you look at it rather than just looking like a wound that's healing. It's like that almost looks like some type of brand or or map or something. Yeah. And whatever it is, it's helping her heal because she is slowly. Yeah. You know, her face is slowly healing. So it's yeah. Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of points we see almost like Ava Wood from the Halo. Mm-hmm. So and and then and I think I think it was you, Sheila, or, or Kimberly, when when. One of you mentioned not too long ago about how she seemed confused. Um, it's almost like if she was possessed by something, she'd be lucid and okay and have somewhat full memories, you know, apologize to Ava, realize, you know, her way of going about it was wrong, but then all, all of a sudden suddenly be taken over by this other entity and therefore have lost time and lost memories. It's going to be a fascinating reveal. Yeah. Whatever this, it is. Yeah, there's more to come there. But but I thought, to me, too, the reason I kind of brought that up now is I saw it as a little bit parallel to Father Vincent in that um, he's talking about the depths of, of being evil, truly evil, mm-hmm. rather than just being having a demon that made him do the things he did. And maybe that's like with Lilith, that she now is truly evil in a different way because she has the demon that he doesn't have. Do you know what I mean? I don't right. Know. Crazy thoughts. Oh, wow. There, there's a lot going on with Lilith. Mm-hmm. But I think we really need to discuss Beatrice? Ava and Beatrice. Yeah. Beatrice really, she actually made me cry in this episode. Um, Very but, moving. Very yeah, moving. Extremely moving. But um, to, to go back, like she again puts the fears of Ava first. And is that guide and that helping hand that I guess Ava is not accustomed to having. And when Ava says, you know, um, it's like I'm solid and the wall is phasing around me, you know, Beatrice offers to guide her through. And then Jillian offers the GPS and the earpieces so that they can talk to each other and she can follow where she is and say, Hey, just keep going. You got this and, and be that voice, um, that calming voice. And, when Ava continues to have issues, you know, I'll let Sheila take it from here, but Beatrice really blew me away. Are we talking about when she read from the book? Yeah. yeah. When you and I were crying our eyes out. Oh my goodness. Yes. And as, as I was doing the rewatch for this, you know, it, it really, she wasn't coming out and saying that 
she is gay. But as I am watching it again, it does it does seem like she is relating to Sister Melanie, who was who was writing that entry in the book. That you know, she was talking about hating herself because she, Sister Melanie, was different, and that everybody else around her was trying to make her something that she's not, and so Sister Beatrice really does relate to that, absolutely, and you know, as she's reading it, she's crying because it's it's like it's her own. It's her own thoughts that she does not want to say. And she's reading it from someone else feeling the exact same thing. And the thing that really got me was when she read that line, you know, when when she said that sister when Sister Melanie said, you know, when when she released the energy of the halo and basically killed everybody and blew out a wall, that you know, she felt unbound, unburdened, and finally herself. And you could see in Sister Beatrice how much she wants to be free, that she wants to be herself. And even now I get emotional because I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's why is it wrong? It's not. I mean, and her Beatrice also saying, you know, that she was raised to believe it was a flaw. She was punished for being different and hate what you are. I think she says something about hating what you are and what you love when what you love should make you happy. Yeah. And that really struck me so much. And I absolutely understand that, you know, obviously uh, listening audience, Sheila and I are married. So we both kind of know what that feels like to have that, um, that fear that, that hiding and trying to perfect some other aspect of you to cover that. And believing that's wrong. And the writing to have Ava, and I'm I'm gonna quote what it is because the line kind of broke me because it was a line that I was blessed to have said to me in a different form, obviously. Um, and I was very, very lucky that I had that accepting side of family. Um, where Ava goes, don't hate what you are. What you are is beautiful, and I'm sorry for your pain. And then Beatrice deflects and said, don't be, because now we're going to focus on your pain. Yeah. But that was one hell of a section. And it was, I'm thankful that it's that it was there. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. It was a very beautiful scene. Yeah. Watching, watching the two of them. And their exchanges, both in that scene and then in the future, one of Beatrice being there forever as she's panicking in the concrete and actually physically catching her when she falls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean you can just you can just see it. Uh, you know the caring, and as you said too, though Beatrice always trying to take something and even something not that personal, but still finding a way to give to Ava in the situation, talking about her pain, how to help her with the halo. That's again, Beatrice, the bad. Yes. (laughs) She is awesome. (laughs) 
in many, many different ways. Okay. I'm fine now. You sure? I'm good. Okay. So I'm going to just jump to a, since, you know, Sheila and I had to wipe tears and deal with that for a second. Um, one of the cute moments for me was when uh, Lilith and Ava are outside and they have their conversation and, you know, Lilith is like, forgive me. And Ava's like, I just did. And basically they're both really happy. Both of them are not dead anymore. That's just great writing. <laughs> Beautifully said. <laughs> Beautifully said. And you don't, I'm speaking for myself, first time through, I didn't really get how perfect that line is. It's a, it's a rewatch one where, oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And, and that's, why, that's why when it comes to Lilith, again, that's a beautiful moment that she's, she feels, I feel as a viewer that she's in that moment and appreciating the conversation. And then at other times, she's like, hello, you know, I'm like, come back to us. You're not really there. The one thing that I was um, struck with, shifting gears a little bit, um, during the dream that Ava had about Sister Shannon, where Sister Shannon actually was saying, you know, the halo is a burden that, you know, not one person can really handle carrying it and that she felt alone. But it was also because of the halo that she found a family. And I, I just love that, that line that even though, you know, she, she alone can bear the halo, she has the support system. And so, you know, again, it, it goes back to Ava being able to trust other people to help her through this journey and to, to trust others and open up to them, which she is, you know, really doing with, with Beatrice. Yeah, I mean, when they have that, um, when they're discussing her worst fear and getting through it and they're discussing that wall and she keeps, you know, which I find it fascinating to see Ava going through the wall, that perspective of, because it, it gave me a very weird claustrophobic feel. And I don't know if that was what they were going for, but I, I loved that perspective. Um, she kept saying like the wall was her deepest pain. It drains the halo. She's paralyzed again. But the, the reality is, you know, that that's what I, I believe Beatrice actually says that, you know, you're afraid of um, being paralyzed again. And, and Ava's like, no, it's it's being alone, sick in a bed. And it's Beatrice who says you're never going to be alone again. We have you. You always have us. And that does go to Shannon's point that, you know, the Halen might the Halen. I am really screwing up. The halo might be a burden, but really the family, that chosen family you get from it. It's, it was, it helps you get through it. Yeah. 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 The, the growth that's happening here, you know, between the relationships and the characters here is just, just wonderful to watch. And certainly on the rewatch, you kind of see, you know, it could have been a, it's going to kind of happen again. It just, it, it feels so natural and, and you got to give them credit when, you know, Mary did the great job a couple episodes back you know, going to see Ava and, and again, them realizing she has to make the choice to come back for herself. She has to do that. We can't force her back. And, and therefore the natural nature of how they all came together and how the different relationships between them, we're seeing it naturally happen. It's just, just exciting. Yes. And Vincent finds the map and <laughs> know where the tomb is. 
he's a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to be on his bad side. No, not at all. So I guess it's time for my question. What do you think the title reference is in this episode? Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, I mean, I think this is it, I think this is referencing Ava, um, but it could reference you know just really anybody that building your house doesn't. It's it's really the family around you, right? Um, that if you if you have people that you trust, um, that you will be. You will never be alone. You'll always have a home. And if you if you don't take care of that, if you don't take care of the relationships, then you will inevitably end up alone and tear down your home. That's what I think. Very well put. Very well put. Because I can actually understand what the thing is saying. <laughs> Unlike episode seven, like, wait, what? That's a Read it several times. Yeah, like you said, if, if if this is referencing Ava specifically, then very much here she is building her house, her family around her. She's choosing to build something rather than be the old Ava of just run away and therefore everything collapses. There's no there's no nothing there. So I had written something else in my notes, but something just kind of struck me is Ava, both parts of this, because, yes, she's building up her house. But then by the end of the episode, she's tearing it down with her own hands, saying she wants to destroy the bones so there are no more warrior nuns. Well, so that they don't have to fight any more demons. But is it a foolish decision? Because Jillian is expecting the bones to power the portal it tracks demons traps demons here so while she's building up her house has that dream and again don't know if it's actually shannon or if it's maybe the divinium or the halo preying on her fears bringing shannon in we don't know that per se could it be that ava is both sides of this coin She's building and destroying. Definitely. Definitely could be. Yes. Excellent observation. Are you waiting for my answer? That was <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I have a different opinion on it. I, I think that you know she's she's actually trying to protect her house by by um destroying the bones so that they don't lose any more lives. To, to this cause. So if there are no demons, then they don't have to fight. And just because they don't have that anymore, like Sister Beatrice said, you know, whatever happens, you still have us. And you know what I have to say to all of that? Mm. There's always more. Of course there is. <laughs> so ending that, I'm going to jump right into episode nine. If there's nothing else you guys uh, want to bring up? No. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay. So in this episode, 
The team, except for Lilith, travels to the Vatican on their mission to find and destroy Adriel's bones. They manage to dodge Doretti's nuns, or rejects, as we're calling them, um, as well as the Vatican guards. Lilith seems to have incorporated some of the Tereske's powers and is able to heal herself and phase into different places. Oh, it's in this episode. Sorry. I thought it was in the previous one. Anyway, um, so when Ava is close to the tomb, Lilith actually phases out and goes to the Vatican to try to stop Ava. And she says, quote, the halo cannot enter the tomb. So anyway, Ava is able to enter the tomb despite that. Um, and she finds skeletons made of divinium in the rock. So she goes around it. Um, she struggles to get to the other side and eventually makes it. And once in the tomb, she doesn't find any bones. She finds herself face to face with a living, breathing Adriel. Eek, 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 eek. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And you know what we learned from the previous episode in regards to this? There's always more. Oh my Lord. Is there a lot more? Uh, okay. So where do we start? Okay. Sh show of hands. Who thought Pedro was still alive? Show of hands. Nobody. 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 Yeah, nobody. nobody. <laughs> mm -mm. So before we get into that, though, Ava dressed as a nun and, and going to that great. hysterical and then going to the girl, the little girl and through the signs of the cross. And I think it was Beatrice that went too much, too much, went too far. <laughs> yes, that was one of the funniest bits from the trailer. I will never forget that from the trailer. That's a big part of where I went, oh, I am so in on this show. I can tell right now. <laughs> yeah. I also love in this episode, small things, so I'll get out of the way early. I love the hero walk as they're all going down the hallway. Yes! Oh, my God. I yes. absolutely love that, that musical part. like montage as they're Yes. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> That was cool. I liked when, you know, she was fidgeting and, and you know, every, like every, uh, I think it was Beatrice actually who said, stop fidgeting. You know, nuns don't fidget. Mm -hmm. And she said something like, it, it's a habit. I'm in a habit or something <laughs> like that. And then Shotgun Mary said, I'm going to shoot you right here. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Her pun game is like 100% on this episode. <laughs> oh, Yes. Speaking of pun games, just <laughs> let's cover that. The puns in the tomb. Oh my yes, gosh. The two of them back and forth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the relationship between Beatrice and Ava is is one of my favorites because of the way they play off each other. And that oh. pun game back and forth was just I loved it so much. <laughs> it was such a great way to break the tension of the moment, both for them. As characters, I think, and for us as viewers, because by this point we're like, "Oh my God, they're actually there! What's going to happen?" Right. And yeah. I, I think it's it's such a great, you know, we were talking about Beatrice wants to, you know, let loose and you know just let things go, and here it it seems like through Ava's help, she she starts doing the puns. Right. Well, if trading terrible puns is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. Uh, but uh, you know, she's she's like she's starting to to relax a little bit and and have that easy easygoing you, relationship with Ava. And it, it was it was just great to see. 
And, and another part that I think is, is just, is, is so important to their relationship that's now developed so much is when they are heading in and Ava realizes how much extra explosive she has, mm-hmm. um, that could have been a real, shall we say, bummer or, or that can break a relationship, I think, because to that point, Ava has been slowly trusting and so forth. And then to have to, to find out she's got that extra amount, just in case Ava blew the coop. Right. Um, but the way that Beatrice presents it to her, you know, not in a down way, not in a, we didn't trust you. Not that I don't completely trust you now, but, uh, you know, we've, we've got to be prepared. I had to be prepared. So that's again, the bad Beatrice still supporting her friend, but also taking care of the mission. Yes. Staying yeah. on task. Being very strategic. Strategic, good word, good word. But I mean, that could that, that exchange could have gone south, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, to Ava's credit now that I think she's built it here, instead of her just getting upset, um, she's like, okay, all right, you know what I'm saying? So I, I really, I, it, small, I think certainly my early viewings of it, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now, having watched so much of what's built, especially the last couple of episodes for these two, but up till now. So I just, another one of those, okay, I get it, I get it. So delving in a little bit, Mother Superior. Yes. Pin come back. Yeah. And we learned something pretty heavy about her. Mm-hmm. The halo rejected her. Mm-hmm. And her her statement was not all candidates are worthy, but you are to Ava. Mm-hmm. That was a huge turning point for me in viewing that character. Yeah, we see. We just see another, another facet to her. You know, j- just like what um, Shotgun Mary was saying. You know, you, you do care. She, she finally um, is accepting that Ava, even though she wasn't the quote perfect candidate, is exactly what the Halo needed. And then I, my mind starts going and gets fascinated with this. Okay, let's back up the bus. She had the halo. It rejected her. But she still chose in her commitment to be training all of these years. Because I'm assuming she was rejected many years ago. and She was more of the age of the most of the candidates. Mm-hmm. Now, that could totally, I mean, talk about something that could mess with your head. And create some of that um, distancing, like you said, Sheila, Mary talking to her about. It. But but it's only on the surface, because it is because she cares. Mm-hmm. So for her to be able to deal with that loss or impact of that, and still be there to support these folks, that is just yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love a Mother Superior spinoff to get some more about what all would have gone on with her. Yeah. And clearly, it still upsets her, right? It, Ava doesn't see it, but we do, right? Because mm-hmm. of of how the scene is shot. But you could see in Mother Superior's face that it still hurts her to know that the halo rejected her. And you know, it's like you said, Kevin. It just speaks to her conviction, and that you know she believes so much in this mission that she stayed. Yeah, I just, and the more I thought about that, Marga just think like, you know, if that happened to me or to many people would be like, okay, done, see you, out, <laughs> check, please. Um, 
But with that much pain, as you said, still occurring today, but to be able to put that to the side for the sake of the mission or the sake uh, of the team and all of them. Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. That really is something. Because, yeah, that I mean, I was a pump your fist in the air moment, too, when she was the one to kind of give it to Crimson a bit. Um, yes. And run interference for the sake of giving Ava and Beatrice. I mean, that was like, oh, yeah, okay, I want to see more of this. So shall we talk about Lilith growing long nails? Yes, yes, please do. I want to see what else to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, so, so we know that Lilith actually is, you know, she, she was left behind because the team wanted her to, to rest and to heal. But, you know, as this really freaked me out when I saw that, when Lilith was no longer, you know, convalescing, she, she was actually out, up and about and she had, Nails that looked like mini ter- the Tarasque claws, and she didn't even realize that was happening, did she? That's the way I no, interpreted it. Yeah. Always seen it. it they just, came out. It was there, and she looked over and went, "What is this?" Right. She was like, "Oh, wait, what?" And yeah, and it seemed like she was. She knew exactly where she was going. I didn't know where she was going until you know Jillian was like Michael. So. You know, she runs towards Michael and um, and Lilith is there. And that's where she phases out when when Michael is saying Ava's close to the tomb. So that seemed to me, you know, as we were talking about the last episode, I did not know. Um, I did not know if it was uh, the question that you posed, Kevin, whether it was the, the Tarasque in Lilith's form I was just thinking that okay, the the she has incorporated some of the Tarasque's um, powers, and the fact that she can transport herself somewhere else was just that far away was to me was mind blowing. One of the things that struck me with that scene, I apologize for cutting you off, Kevin, when. She does grow her nails and, and, and she tries to, you know, she's getting to stop Ava or whatever. And she comes across Crimson and she grows her nails and just takes Crimson out. Lilith looks remorseful. It was as if there was a switch and she grew the nails and they, I mean, obviously they're important because they look like the Trask's claws, like you said, and they focused on her hand. And next thing you know, she's killing Crimson and then it's like the switch flips back and it becomes Lilith again. And she looks down like, what have I done? But mm. she still has a goal. She doesn't know why she has this goal. And, you know, when we see her later, when she's trying to stop Ava, she's fighting Ava. And she's like, you can't go in, but she can't explain it. Right. And they think that, you know, it's it's that old grudge again. Yeah. And Mary gets through to her and says, you know, you're one of us. We love you and don't do this. And she then calms down. But that's why I think, I don't even know if, if Lilith knows what Lilith is. So let me, on that point, ask the two of you. Is she a good witch or a bad witch? I can't figure it out at this point. <laughs> that's what I'm not sure of. Can I cheat <laughs> and say I think, I think she's human? I think if the Tarasks are bad, which we don't really know much about them, um, if they are truly purely evil, by mixing with a human, 
I think, I don't think she can be purely evil because she has a good side to her human side. So even if you take a demon that is purely evil and shove it or possess it or be, make part of it into Lilith, she would still be somewhat human and there is some good there. So I would say she's 50-50 and could have good and bad moments. Kind of like Oz from Buffy when in a werewolf kind of was like eaten you know, do whatever he wants to do, harm whoever he wants to harm if he wasn't caged. But when he was Oz, he was just a really cool guy trying to help everybody. For me, what's most fascinating, certainly at this point, is that I can't really tell. So to me, it's such a great story element, such a great job of writing and putting it there. Yeah, we could talk on this point for an hour. (laughs) Yes, we can. Should we add that to our list? (laughs) Yeah, I think we may need to if it's not already on it. <laughs> so here's another random that that stuck with me at the towards the end of this episode was that the Tarasque skeleton being Divinium. When Ava asked Beatrice about it, Beatrice says, no, the only Divinium we have is the armor. We melt it down for our, our ammo tips. We, you know, they, she's rattling off all the stuff they use it for. And yet here's a Tarasque made of Divinium. And Beatrice surmises that it's an organic source. So now you got a question. Wait a minute. Are the terrestrial just heated divinium, overheated divinium? Where's that going to play? Yeah, I mean, that's the way I took that is that that is where divinium comes from is that's their skeletal foundation. And that normally the terrestrial don't die or expire here on our realm, our plane. That's why there's so little of it here on Earth. So how did he make his armor? Uh, by killing a Tarasque. Which explains a lot about Israel, doesn't it? <laughs> That's where my head's going. That's all I'm saying. This is the breadcrumbs that I'm following. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's where my head went on this. Because, I again, i got to admit again, first time through the series... Saw the Tarasque in the wall, Divinium. Oh, interesting. And then it totally went out of my head by the time we had the reveal of her finding, you know, Adriel inside. But now coming back and going through like, oh, oh, that might be why, you know, it's so hard to find. And it's got such special properties. Um, So, yeah, that was fascinating. So another one with the dot, 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 because we need more. So we can add that to our discussion list, too. (laughs) You know, there's just so much going on and so much development. If there was not a season two, just after seeing these first nine episodes, I would be be devastated. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, folks, and it's out there. I could probably find the link for you. Um, One of the other podcasts that I do and have done for many years is called Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Uh, my friends, Brent and Wendy, and I have been doing it for like 13 years, just talking about all the sci-fi shows. When we, when I discussed the, the season finale for that podcast, and we had not heard about a season two, I said, right now I am of two minds. If they bring this back, this is an awesome show and I can't wait to see it. And I, I compliment them for such good writing. But if they don't, I'm going to hate them forever because there's <laughs> so much open-ended things that I have to know more about that it would have been just gut wrenching. So (laughs) 
yeah, so you, the, the ability for those of you who might be totally new to the show to know that there was a season two by the time, because we still got another whole mega episode to discuss. So, oh, you know, yeah. It's, mm. yeah. Wow. There's, just, there's so many tendrils where you can literally, every single one of them could have their own set and arc of episodes. Up to this point, there are so many tendrils out there that I can see either be spinoffs or have separate arcs. I mean, they could go 24 episodes <laughs> and I'd be okay with it. Especially if they do it on Beatrice. Just saying. Especially if it's on Netflix so I can just get to the next episode. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of show that if it was airing once a week, that's oh. painful. That's oh. going to be painful. Painful, but also great because you can talk about a lot of it while it's happening. But if you're a podcaster, there is then going to be a record of how wrong you're likely going to be on a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And that's probably coming for us the rest of 2021 when we start to discuss some of these topics before season two. Because once season two comes, a lot of that might go poof up the chimney. Well, that's half the fun of it. It, it is. It is. We're willing to, <laughs> to do that, but it's because it's so much fun to talk about. And another one of these tendrils, if it isn't already on your list, your mega list, Kimberly, because um, Sheila mentioned it very quickly, was back at the Arctic when, you know, Michael has that exchange with Lilith and Julian. And, and Michael's one saying, oh, yeah, it was almost at the door. How does he know that? Mm. <laughs> okay. Which she'll was, have it open. She'll have it open soon. How do you know that? <laughs> well, what's funny is Sheila and I actually had a conversation. I remember this because we we usually would stop an episode, and if it wasn't like a, a major like cliffhanger section, we would talk about it for a few minutes. And I just looked at her and I went, "Wow, I guess all the divinium through the blood has connected him to the bones somehow." And she just looks at me. She's like, "Will you shut up?" <laughs> okay, I, you know, I, I can see that. It's just okay. We I, I need more. Yeah, I don't more. know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's got the all of the dominium in him, so I guess it's all connected, but connected in a way that a child can understand or see. Where Aver, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, but like, and you mentioned it too, Sheila, because at that moment when when um, Lila finds this out, she, she literally said that can't happen, and then poof, phases out, and then poof, phases in over at the back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's some kind of connection there, too, to know where to go. Well, not that you wouldn't know where they were, but to be able to you know, manifest that. Pinpoint exactly where yeah. it took them forever to try to even find where this tomb is. Yeah. Yep. And another random question in regards to Michael and Jillian. How do they know that the dimension on the other side of that portal has like no pain and is perfect? Well, and that's definitely a topic because, you know, that's where this is a great conversation to, and you pointed out earlier, you know, Jillian isn't just some, you know, tech person who's grabbing for glory. She's concerned about her son. So, and and any of us who are parents certainly know, and, and most other folks can feel it as well, is you can get such tunnel vision on, I need a miracle for my child. This must be it. Do I need any evidence? No, I just believe this is it. So that's probably why this is the idea. She's just seeing this potential other plane um, must be heaven, must be the 
everybody lives forever and no one dies, you know, because there can't be any evidence, right? Right. It's got to just be belief. But but Michael alludes to it, doesn't he? How so? Um, I'm, and forgive my my ignorance, but I think in there, like, and I don't know if it's because Jillian has told him, or again, if he has that mm. weird connection, because he says, you know, the I think when they were discussing with Ava coming down, and she says, "I'm sorry, I couldn't power," and he's like, "It's okay, you make me feel better when you're here." And they discuss what's on the other side, and he's like, "I'm gonna go there, and I'll be okay." And I wonder if. I don't know where he's getting that from. If it's Jillian or this, this weird thing that he's got going on. Yeah. That would be a fascinating part to learn. You're right. Has he just been programmed? Uh, I shouldn't say programmed. It's just, has he just been picking up on his mother's belief or is this another one of those? He got a peek and he knows what's there. Creepy. <laughs> Creepy. Fascinating. Scary. <laughs> All of the above. It's like those kids in the hallway of The Shining. Oh, that's okay. Now we're going to start crossing universes. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like that kind of creepy <laughs> to me where it's like you're so creeped out by them being there, but you're so fascinated by what yeah. it means and where the story's going. Cover your eyes, but move your fingers just enough to see what's actually going on. Yep. <laughs> Can't look away. <laughs> so here's my question again. <laughs> Go okay. How does the title? I'm scared. <laughs> and I know, no, it's the it's the mundane question I ask at the end of every episode we cover. Oh, okay. Whoa, okay. Yeah, no, not one of I my had another rabbit hole. No, not my seven part questions, which is going to have to be a video live thing. <laughs> Sheila, want to start us off? Oh, I thought you were going to ask. I did ask. Oh, you did ask. <laughs> I missed that. Um, you know, I was t- taking this as as just exactly what it says that you know the weapons are the weapons that they're fighting with are not of this world um you know they're they're using the vinium they're using all of the all of the elements that make this a genre show that's what i was thinking yeah this one seemed pretty literal at least to my interpretation of it too i mean you know cuz cuz to me part of this too is when they say you know not the weapon not the can't talk now my turn the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world i see the discovery of adriel being alive in there as part of that he's not of this world um or at least i don't think he is based on where we're at this point so that's also part of it as well because they were expecting bones um and and so this you know do the whole little gif of head exploding like okay now what could this mean i'm so way off then (laughs) (laughs) i or or ahead of us (laughs) well i i interpreted it as weapons are not of this world and that to mean what we create with guns and arrow tips and all this other stuff that isn't the battle the battle is internal and I thought it was like the battle within yourself to overcome your fears, to overcome the obstacles within yourself, being able to go through that 20 feet of wall. Um, Ava going, you know, team player, team player, trust your team, trust your team, trust your team. You know, um, Mother Superior showing up and and helping. Um, facing 
and using, you know, facing those fears and using your internal strength and your internal power and working as one becomes the destroyer and that like superpower thing. Well, mic drop um, yeah. there. I'm yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I'm just going to tip the hat. Totally different way of looking at it, but certainly a very possible way as well. Excellent, excellent observation. <laughs> yeah, because that's a lot of what's happening. Just thinking back through the things that occurred in this episode with that in mind. I, I totally see where you're coming at there. Kimberly. Very good. Very good. Thank you. It's not a question that we can add to the list, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't worry. We have plenty of other things on that list. Yeah, I keep adding. I'm sorry. And we still got a series finale. I mean, season finale to add to it once we... Series? What's... Man, stop that. (laughs) My mind. You've you've taken and blown my mind, so the wrong words are coming out. (laughs) Yeah, so th- this was a lot. This this set when we looked at how we we're gonna, you know, discuss episodes and sets, uh, we definitely knew doing seven, eight, nine together was in- ambitious. Based on the length of this podcast, you can see why. Yeah, and it was it was really a massive roller coaster, if you think about it, because emotion wise, we were all over the place. Um, between crying and cheering and giggling, and and then going like at the end, going what? You know, really, the gamut was covered. But that makes it such a great ride. Yeah. 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 That's part of the excitement, I think, coming back on rewatch and, you know, to be able to make notes and talk about this is just the excitement of what's happening in these last few and the next one. Yes. I can't wait for the next one. (laughs) Yep. I'm just going to point out that there were certain things in the next one that while we were sitting on the couch watching, I happened to say before they happened and Sheila smacked me. Okay. We're going to, we're going to need cliff notes when we talk about this next time. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I'll bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, and for those of you, I'll say it now without being spoilery for those of you that are new to the show and haven't watched the finale yet. Just remember, those of us who did before we heard about season two were left with that to dangle on. Pins and needles. Mm -hmm. And and you know what I felt at that moment? There's always more. Was not accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So if you've made it through to this point in the podcast, congrats. You were probably just as far down the rabbit holes as the three of us are, if you're still listening. Because, <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, there's a lot of different ways we could go. Great discussion, though. Thank you. Great discussion. I love that I learned new things. And new things now makes me want to rewatch it again. Right? Oh. Yeah, but there's episode 10. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that until I watch 10. And then I'll probably need to go back and watch it again. Okay, that's different. I'm like, don't we watch him <laughs> no, again? Like, no, I want. I said I wanted to. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to. I shall hold some restraint there. Okay. So, any any other thoughts before we wrap? You really want me to keep going? <laughs> no, I think we're good. That apply in this <laughs> timeline. Let's say, okay. <laughs> I, I think that was that was plenty to chew on. Yes, I would agree. I can always come up with more.
I know you can. <laughs> I know. We know that. And we're looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, again, thank you folks for listening. We're having a blast doing these, uh, as you can tell. And we can't wait to, to talk about 10 and then be able to start going down uh, through that list and having separate uh, episodes, be they live hangouts, more podcasts in the coming months. We still have quite a while to, we're going to get season two airing, as you heard. So but we will not be want for topics. So that's a wonderful thing. Well, we hope you all take care and we will catch you all soon. If you'd like to contact us here at Into the Halo, we offer a few different options. You can send us an email at intothehalopodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at WarriorNunPod. If you prefer to leave us a voicemail, please go to speakpipe.com forward slash intothehalopodcast where you can leave us your 90-second message. We'll have all this information and much more on our website, warriornonpodcast.com, and in every episode's description. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.